Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. So yeah, so we're reading today from Isaiah 12, 2 through 6. So it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Two through five. Um, just like reading that this week, um, the thing that really just stood out to me on just the aspect of joy and just kind of this season of life that we're in is that when it comes to salvation, how Isaiah kind of lays that out is that he's, he's speaking to salvation as not just this one-time thing. It's not just that moment that we have with God where we, this coming to Christ, but he's really calling us out to be able to come back to that point of salvation, to drink of salvation. And to me, that, that really... I feel like paints such a clear picture of Christmas and just this Advent season. It's like, for me, I know that salvation is that continuously, like, just needing to be saved. It's being able to come back to that point. Uh, it's just not this one-time thing that we have with God. Um, and just even hearing the testimonies, we had pre-service prayer today. And just hearing these testimonies of what God's done in this past year, um, it was just moment after moment of God stepping into our circumstances and saving us. And just testimony after testimony, um, which I think, you know, Isaiah kind of shifting in and starting to prophesy salvation of what it looks like to come. It's, it's, to me, it's showing that Jesus is crashing in to our circumstances. And then from that place, he's really trying to show that this moment is going to change everything. It's, it's the expression of joy. Everything that's going to come from that is just praise and exaltation because of that, the power of Emmanuel. It's Christ with us in our circumstances, in the muck of everything, and being able to experience, you know, the trials, the sufferings, but also the celebration of when we actually do see breakthrough 
And so, um, I don't know, for today, just my hope, even in worship, is that we go into worship with just this, this state of mind and where our hearts are to where we can just allow ourselves to just think back on what God's done and, and the things that maybe he hasn't done and allow just hope to fill our hearts. Uh, and But just really just giving thanks for what he has done in this past year um, and just allow ourselves to just praise because he really is worthy. Um, so God, I just thank you so much that again, that it's not a just a one-time experience with you and then we just continue to just move on, God. But again, that you continue to show up. You invade our circumstances. God, you're so near. And we just thank you for sending your son, God, to where we can, we can partner in life with your spirit. That we actually know a way how to be human, how to walk this life out. So God, I just ask that you would just release joy in the room. Even no matter what we're going through, God, we have so much to be grateful for. Lord, let us just feel and be overwhelmed by just that sense of that wonder of just knowing that you came and you're coming again. And the tension that we live in with that, God, we just anticipate just you coming again in every circumstance we have, Lord. So we just love you. We just want to pour our affection on you today. And more than anything, God, we just want to exalt you because you're worthy. Today's theme for Advent is joy. When you think about the mountains that God has moved, that will bring joy, right? So I'm so excited that I can, I'm going to invite our students that are helping me this morning up to help lead you in the Advent service. So you guys welcome them. Huh, there's the rest of you. Um, so where's Autumn? Autumn, you're going to start us off. Autumn's going to share a poem that she wrote. Good morning. Okay. okay, so a chance is an opportunity to get back up again. A chance to fight and then achieve that expiring goal. To finish your uncompleted story while you grow. Life is all about building character, so when all hope is lost, don't feel sorry, be happy, and be glad. Don't give up and don't let anyone knock you down. In your, if you do, in your troubles, you will unfortunately drown. When life knocks you down, you must get back up again. A quote we all know. When darkness comes, let us shine. Let us see that talent you are going to show. Don't change a thing, even if the future is far. Know everything is going to be fine. Don't worry and live today, for tomorrow will be the character you'll portray. You just want me to start reading? She's going to be reading from Zephaniah 3, <laughs> 14 through 20. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout out, Israel. O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies, the kingdom of Israel. The Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. O on that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion. Let, your, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save, he will rejoice over, with, over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer um, reproach. Behold all, 
at that time I will deal with your oppressors and I will save the time, save the lame and gather the outcasts and I will change the shame into praise and re uh, renown in all the earth at that time I will bring you in at the time when I gather you together for I will make you re renowned and prows and praise among all the peoples on the earth I will restore your fortunes before your eyes says the Lord Okay, so we're going to light three candles. Keegan, you want to come down here? Just, just purple. So we're lighting a candle for hope. Good job. Maddie's going to light a candle for love. Eli's lighting our pink candle, which symbolizes joy. We will watch and wait of hope, joy, watch and wait for Christ's coming. During the Advent season, we light candles of hope, joy, peace, and love remembering the promises of God with prayer and thanksgiving. On the third day of Sunday of Advent, we light one candle in hope, one in love, and another one in joy. All right, join me in prayer. God of hope, you call us from the exile of selfish oppression to the freedom of justice, the balm of healing, and the joy of sharing. Make us strong to join you in your holy work as friends of strangers and victims, companions of those whom others shun, and as the happiness of those whose hearts are broken. We make our prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. One final sharing. So Georgia actually did a painting for us, and she's going to share what it's about. So the verse Luke 3.16 says that he will baptize, baptize us with his Holy Spirit and his fire. So the heart represents our love for him, and he is baptizing us with the fire and his Holy Spirit that flows through him. All right, so we thank our students. You guys did a great job. So great, guys. Thank you. This is going to be a very awkward transition. Don't sit yet. Because we're going to prayers of the people. <laughs> um, which, let's carry the same passion, right? Um, as we pray for the world around us. So let's pray. Right, we pray for God's people throughout the world, for the leaders at RCC, for this community and gathering for unity and peace in God's family. So today we pray for the church. We pray prayers for peace, for goodwill among nations, and for the well-being of all people. Today we pray for justice and peace throughout the world. We pray prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, 
the oppressed and those in prison. This morning we pray for those who have any need or are in trouble. And we pray for all of those who seek God or a deeper knowledge of him. We pray that they may find and be found in him. We're gonna take a few seconds. If you will please speak out any needs that you have related to the world, our nation, our local community, or even personal needs. If you will bravely speak those out. So we thank you, God, that we can lift up our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. We've seen you move mountains. We believe you will do it again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to pray really quickly, and then we're going to jump right in. So, Father, we know that when we gather around the Word together, there's a tendency and a pitfall for us to think, let's get all of the facts that we can check off. Instead of sometimes reading it as it being a living, breathing, active text in which your Holy Spirit highlights, draws, and deepens our relationship with you in. Even in our questioning as we approach these texts, allow it to be conversations that are rich with you and with each other. Today, as we talk through the passages of Zephaniah and Isaiah, and Ephesians, I pray that they would come to life for each person, because each person in this room, each hearer of this word is at a different spot. We're all in different places, all coming to you and being drawn by you in different ways, in whatever way salvation needs to happen for us. And I ask that you despiritualize the word of salvation. Just where do people need to be saved? Where is actual, where do people need the good news? In each of us, let us understand that so that we can present that to you and then see what you do in it. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a really quick recap is we've been in Advent for three weeks. We light the candles um, in representation of that. And then we have one more week. So this week is joy. And even Dunkin' Donuts was celebrating today. When I got the donuts this morning on the front of the box, it said what? It said joy. So does somebody call them this week and tell them? because the donuts were good. So, um, but, and, and this is, I'm going to be honest with you about joy. So one of my biggest um, pitfalls and landmines in church has been historically where I feel like I've seen, where I've judged and read groups of people that I think pretend joy or create joy to relay a message, almost like a salesman's pitch in church, which we're all good at like labeling the things in church we don't like. I want to be better about labeling the things that God loves about it to share those instead of just being like, here's what's not good about the church, you know, like, because we all need more of those people, right, who are just upset at the church. And all of us are upset at the church at times, right? But one of the things for me that's historically been a landmine is feeling like I have to create joy 
to impress people or to make people feel good or to appease people. And so this is not that kind of joy. This is the kind of joy that happens almost without you being aware of it. It's the kind of joy that you don't have to foster anything on your own. You don't have to mimic anything. It almost like bubbles out of you. And there's a few situations in life where you can really experience it. Specifically, you can experience this kind of joy or any kind of joy that you don't make. When, when you're seeing something in your life that's not awesome, be answered with something. And a couple examples for me. One involved water when I was a teenager. And I've shared this with you before, but many of you didn't hear it. And I swam out a little bit and there was an undertow. And I legitimately lost my ability to touch the ground and swim towards shore. Like it was, and I'm, I'm a decent, um, muscly human. I can't really, I, I'm good at swimming. I'm not weak is what I was trying to say at that point. I am now because I'm older. But, but I literally, I could not swim towards shore. I, in my mind, and I heard myself, I screamed out. I screamed, help, help. And nobody could hear me. And then, like I said before, I, I, I put my feet down. I was like, and, and the feeling the, of knowing I'm not about to die. Like, I, I legitimately thought, I'm, I might die right now, and screamed out. There's another time for me, some of the people in this room gathered around me when I was 16. I walked into a, um, I walked into a, a bedroom, and my whole family was there, and it was your prototypical uh, thing, intervention. And, um, and the kind of joy that came from that was like a way, a way out. Like here's, here's a way out from what was happening. And going to a rehabilitation and coming through it after two months and, and experiencing what life could be like without substance abuse, right? The kind of joy that came from that, I didn't have to. I didn't have to foster, right? And then another one is one time when we were planning this church, um, you guys remember Sam Scott, awesome laugh, hilarious person? So Sarah and Sam were at Chick-fil-A and um, the one near the outlets in Woodstock and a, a girl in the Chick-fil-A um, room where they play, the, the room that we all hate. It's the worst room. I literally think if there's actually a secret doorway to hell if you can find it <laughs> in each of those rooms because it's the first layer. But it's like every man for themselves, even adults are going to get hit. But somebody pushed Nava and her forehead hit the corner of the metal door and just <laughs> split open. So I get a call from Sarah, and I think she's driving or Sam's driving, holding Nava and Nava's head is just split open. You can still see the scar from when, and I remember I just started praying as loud as I could on the phone over them on the way to the hospital. She was like, she even was like, there, she's, she's fading, she's fading, she's fading. Her eyes are going back. And I was like, whoa, 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 this is too far. This is just a playground. And getting to the hospital and it just being a massive bruise cut, awful stitches, feeling the sense of like, this could have been terrible, it was terrible, now it's not. And thank you, Jesus. Like it reframes, right, when you experience the kind of joy that you don't have to create but is real. And when we read these passages today, the kind of joy that we're talking about is this kind of joy for the people in Jerusalem and Judea. And specifically, there's a couple of passages, Zephaniah 3, 14 through 20. And I want to pull that up. You've already heard it once. Um, but this is when joy is actually happening because God is doing things for people. He's doing things for his people. And he's asking them some things. So he's interacting with this joy, and he's asking things like, this is happening, and now I want you to sing aloud about it. Which, for me, that's an automatic question in my spiritual walk, because I'm like, what if I don't feel joy? Do I sing then? Because then I'm being fake. That's not what they're saying. He's saying, I want you to recognize the things that I have done, and in those things, let them start to bubble up in you, and sing, and shout, 
and rejoice. And these are good things to be able to do that. And if we can be Christians that say we would rather not do that, we would rather not have real joy, something else is happening. If we say, I would rather not have real joy, there's something that is impeded, just honest humanity. Because who does not like real joy? To be joyful, to be a kid, to be not carefree and not have to worry. Like joy, the joy that comes like that is overwhelmingly good. And it's not bad to desire it. And I think that he wants you to know that you can have it now for the things he's done and the things he has not done yet, which is tough for some of us. So Zephaniah 3, 14 through 20. Sing loud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments from against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. So three really quick things taken away any kind of judgments he had against you to cleanse you. He has cleared away any enemy attacking you, and now he's with you. This is what he's saying to his people. Those three things right there. If you, had, if you could just have those three things for the rest of your life, your life will be good, right? The enemy, right, is cleared. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. So good. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Just, just picture this as I'm speaking. This is prophetically speaking towards Jesus, which I believe personally any passage of Scripture you read, you should read in light of what is it saying about Jesus. It's not the Old Testament for then, the New Testament for Jesus. What is this telling us about our loving Savior? When you read this, can you put yourself in the seat where he is rejoicing over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. This is God over you, singing over you. Imagine this, like this just in your bedroom, in your exiled life, in, your, in the parts of your heart that are away from him, in your, in your weariness, your weakness, and your sickness, to imagine your father doing this. It's hard for some of us. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all of your oppressors. Any of the things, this is why judgment's good, right? Judgment is good when there needs to be a loving judge cleansing the land and restoring things. All your oppressors are gone. And I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in. At that time, when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. That's good, right? Does anybody want that kind of like life? Raise, raise that hand, church people. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Trying to, trying to connect, okay? So, so moving forward, right? We're going to now look at another text from the lectionary, which is specifically our text from a prophet Isaiah who has been given an open vision to share with the people of Jerusalem and Judea around 800 years before Christ comes. Again, showing a picture through what God is doing there, but who Jesus will become for them. And these are people who have been put in exile, and they're put in exile because they have sinned against God, right? So automatically there's some red flags for us. It's one of those sermons where you're like, I don't want to necessarily hear about how people get punished or even that like repentance prayer. We've never had a, a prayer like that. Like we don't, 
Half of us were like, oh, this is not the offering prayer I came for today. We've said the word repentance three times. Because we, we've, we've robbed the word repentance of restoration with God. When you take away repentance, you take away being restored. When you act like repentance is a bad thing, an evil thing, you also give yourself the ability to not have to label the things within yourself that need to be healed. We all need to be healed. We will continually need to be healed. We will all need to continually be saved. Salvation, sozo, all of us. So Isaiah has an open vision in Isaiah 12, 1 through 6. You guys can open. And he speaks this thing that not has happened yet with amazing certainty. He is confident this is going to happen before it happens because he's seen it, right? He's seen it before they went into exile. He's seen it coming out of exile. This is what you will eventually have. So I'll read that to you, Isaiah 12, 1 through 6. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger has turned away that you might comfort me. Again, just really quickly, that God becomes angry and that they phrase it like this. This is pre-Jesus, their idea of compassion, their idea of a God who comes on a donkey to serve the lowest and to free the slave and to be with the outcast is not in their framework yet. They only know a God who would judge because they haven't seen Jesus come to free through the language of Zion, which I love when I read this this week. The language of Zion always bumps into our world's language. The language of, of Zion are things like grace, forgiveness, freedom, restoration, always bumping into a society that's win-lose. Because to us, if somebody gets grace, someone else should not get grace. If somebody wins, there's got to be a loser, right? For Jesus, there is no losers. There's win-win, right? Like, like Smyrna Elementary, think win-win. Who knows that from Smyrna Elementary? <laughs> think win-win. Seems like they, they know the Bible. Amen? All right, so, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. I know that, Just I know you love that. The Lord is my song. Like, I feel like there's going to be a song written about that. And he has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. That's so good. And you will say that in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known to all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So he's looking at a group of people who are literally broken, and he's confident. This is what's going to happen. He's found a group of people who God has called them to him, and they're exiled, they're depressed, they're discouraged, and he's telling them, this is going to happen for you. I'm confident of it. And he uses some imagery that I want to talk about. But first, I want to share a couple things. To what people? These are people that have disobeyed. These are people who have served other gods. These are people who speak falsely against one another. These are people who have cursed God. These are people who were his own that decided they would do it differently. These are the people he's talking to. People who receive this preaching. So when this kind of preaching goes forth, it lands very differently because we all have different ways in which we're poor in spirit. For some of us, we're actually poor. And when we hear a thing being talked about, you will be restored, our minds are, I finally won't have to worry, like day to day about what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to have. Some of us are homeless. I finally don't have to worry. When we picture salvation coming, 
For some of us, we have a lot of money and we're not poor financially, but we're very poor in spirit in other ways. We're poor in our heart's compassion for others. We're poor in our understanding of what true joy is. We're poor in calling. We're poor in living out what God's called us to do. Each of us, though, has a different way we're poor. Some of you are actually poor in spirit or in an exiled place because you're literally sick. And so when you think of this passage, you're thinking, I don't want to be sick anymore. I would like to not be sick. Some of you have relationships that are destroying you right now or you've destroyed. And so when you think of this passage and you hear it, you to be saved is, I just want to be better in relationships and not hurt people. Some of you are your own worst critic and you hate yourself and you have no idea what identity in God is and you're extremely insecure and you don't even know where to begin. And to not be poor in spirit for you would to be grounded in God, to be so convinced of who you are in him. But each of us is different. And so when this goes forward, it lands so differently with all of us. But I love the imagery of water, right? But first, the confidence that's being talked about with Isaiah is that, that there would be labeled this place where there's distance. And then the place where Christ's goodness and attributes meet that is what it's talking about. And it uses the word for water relating to wells. Can you pull up 12.3? I love this. With joy... You will draw water from wells of salvation. Now, almost all of us have access to water all the time. All the time. That's not even like a real struggle for us to think, yeah, I'm thirsty. I'm not thirsty. You can have, there's literally 10 places in this building alone where any of us could drink for the rest of service and just be like, no big deal, right? But in our house, which is 120 years old, which we, that's one of the reasons we bought it. It has one bathroom. Um, turns out bathrooms are a beautiful thing, especially with three kids. So. <laughs> but we found out in the plans, under the porch, there was a well, which instantly I want to dig it up. And, but that'd probably be a lot more work than I'm willing to do or anybody that I know. And, but I imagine, because I know our house and where it is, it was the only house for, for a long, like a large span. There were, all the other houses are newer. So it was our house on Church Street, we live on Church Street because we're pastors, and that's actually like a prereq. So if you're going to pass, you have to live on Church Street. Amen. So, so, but when they, I can, I, 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 I see this day that these people who were probably country people, who maybe had a wagon, if that's the time frame, found this well and what that meant for them, right? Like to find a well and have your own water that you can drink from whenever you like. I imagine they had people coming over. They're like, hey, uh, so we live two miles down the, down the whatever it was then, and uh, we heard you guys had a, uh, a well. I guess don't any parties anytime soon. Or... But a well changed your existence. Think about right now in other countries and villages, there's actual ministries to help people find water. Because if you can find water, you have a continual supply of water, right? Like, what a beautiful, what beautiful imagery, like, to find a well. The springs here represent God's goodness. So when it's talking about the salvation of God and drinking with joy from a well, it's talking about the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the peace of God, these attributes of God that are very real. And I love that it talks about water because water is unbelievably fascinating. My son loves water. Our earth's covered with water. There's literal documentaries with six parts built around water. Water is massive. Did you know that there will always be the same amount of water on earth? 
Everybody knows that? I know that, you, I know that you know that. I didn't know that till like a week ago. And I just always thought like, you know that with the water we drink, somebody's going to drink it again because it's going to go through our bodies back into a place, be restored. Like it doesn't go off the earth, right? And Jonathan's looking, he's really smart. He's like, I'll get an email from him today. But like water just moves from one place to another, right? Water in its most terrifying forms can destroy a city and even a nation. Water is dangerous. Water, I think, is the most fascinating thing. Things can live in water. That doesn't even make sense. There are things living in water. Water is comforting. Water in a desert has an instant effect. Can you bring up this picture? Water has an effect on anything it touches. This is in Australia, and this is a desert, and that's just water going through it, and that's what happens to the area around it. Unbelievable! Water can be drank in. It can be frozen. It can be gas. Water, I don't, this sermon just became about water. But I love how it uses the imagery of water from a well, and it talks about a group of people who all have different needs, all have different ways to be poor in spirit, and how you pour water into a thing, it finds where it needs to go, right? I don't have to tell water when I fill a room with it. If we fill this room, it's going where it's going. I'm not like, well, you, this part of the water, you need to go over there. Water's going to go do that, right? Water's smart enough, <laughs> smart enough to find where it's going. It's equipped. It's good to go. It's going to fill whatever space it has, right? It's, it's lifting. Water can actually lift. It can lift boats, right? Water can be stored for restoration for later, right? Water is a beautiful picture of the Jesus that we serve. Can you pull up Isaiah 55, 1? Isaiah later would say, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he has and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Can you pull up Ephesians 5.19? Address one another. I don't think that's it. Is that it? There's one passage close to that one, which talks about, this is my fault, I'm sure. Drink deep of the Holy Spirit. That as Christians, we can drink deep of the Holy Spirit. And this kind of debunks some of the thoughts we have about salvation. Because if we're drinking from wells of salvation... If I told you I found a well at your house and I'm going to open it up for you to drink from it and then I'm going to close it down and then you're good. That's what we think about salvation. We say a prayer. We've recited something. I've said the sinner's prayer. But are we drinking from the well of salvation with joy daily? Is it a daily drink where we are being restored, refreshed, where we look like that picture of the desert daily? Daily, daily, where we're poor in spirit, is it being met? And I love this picture that I feel like God gave me before service, that even with the Holy Spirit, before you knew he was calling you, he's been drawing you to find this well. He's been giving you little clues. He's been chumming the He's been giving you a cup. Here's a little cup of water for you. Where's that water from? It's from the well. It's like the worst evangelism tool ever. It's from the well. Because there is a youth ministry somewhere called The Well, I'm sure, right? Or a church, I'm sure. But he's been doing that. Whether it's a grandmother's prayer over you, that, that tasted different. Whether it was seeing God do something at a funeral and then here, like that, that was a cup of water. That Whether it was somebody being so Jesus to you that you took notice of the kind of person they were, not what they said. 
Where's that cup of water from? It's from a well that he's trying to draw you to so that daily you start to nourish yourself off of that well. And the way that that water makes its best impact is by finding where you're poor and dry in spirit and saving you there. So just saying a sinner's prayer with some random Joe on the street is not necessarily salvation. It could just be you quenching some kind of fear you have about not spreading the gospel. But learning where someone is poor and dry and hurting and then being the answer in that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they will want to drink from whatever well that came from because you just made it real. And that's all of us and what he's desiring to do in you right now. So if we can be honest about where we're poor in spirit or repentance, because repentance is not bad. We just have done that. Like we, we have a picture of a televangelist preaching repentance and it's awful and you just want to turn it, but you can't and you watch it, but then you're like, oh, that was awful. Repentance is about you changing into this version that is flourishing, flourishing, where fruit is abounding. People are picking fruit off of you because you're drinking from a well. He's called us to drink from the well every day. He's called you to not be dried up for the rest of your life. And it's all right if you need to get crazy with that. As I read these passages, I feel repentance about my thoughts on making sure we understand how to mourn. And I do think we need to do that. We need to know that he desires that we have joy and that it comes from him and that it's going to come out of us. Did you see those little offshoots off that river? Little offshoots start happening. Look at that. Like the river originally was just, there's a boat in the river too. So that doesn't really work for the picture, but I like it, right? Because <laughs> some of you guys are from, from Woodstock and you have a motorboat and now you know what I'm talking about. And there's shoots going off. Because the, the water is so replenishing that area. Now it's like spilling into that land. And now people can gather around and animals can gather around those other spots. And eventually the more water that comes, that will just be green. That's a picture of us drinking from a well and then through us giving that well to others. But it has to find the place where you're poor in spirit. And that's why for some of you it didn't make sense when you had to pray the prayer a hundred times and you felt like people were being con condemning to you while praying it because they weren't really interested in what your, what your story was and where you were poor in spirit and that you were abused or harmed and that you were actually poor and didn't have a home and that you feel like you were uh, insignificant. They didn't learn enough about you to know where the water would fit, right? See, that's a Jesus follower. We know so much about the people that we bump into. We know where the water will fit, right? I love that about our God. He's not just demanding that you say some words and then put on a happy face and come to church and sing a song and leave and go make a bunch of money. He wants you to be full, to have the kind of joy you don't have to pretend, right? He wants you that when you see somebody who is mourning, you want to get in there because you can speak as Isaiah spoke to an exiled country. You're mourning now, but I promise you this is coming. This is coming because he said it. And now we're prophets like Isaiah was, prophesying into broken and, and, and places right now in our lives that people will eventually see. And we can even celebrate before it comes. That's what I want. I want to be able to celebrate what he hasn't done but will do, which is the hardest thing in the world. But if you believe in who he is and you can remember the things that he's done, you can have your faith built for what he will do because he's not trying to leave you destitute. He's not trying to leave you broken. He is trying to do the things that we read in Zephaniah for all of us. Because we are his people. We are his well. 
And Jesus is our well. And so, really quickly today, and I'm gonna, this is, hopefully this isn't uncomfortable for y'all. It shouldn't be uncomfortable. This should not be uncomfortable. What can we celebrate? What can you already celebrate that he did? For the person in here who sees the glass one-fourth full, and that's okay, what can you celebrate that he's already done? I know I can celebrate lots of stuff. I have a wife. I have three kids who are healthy. They're crazy, so I'm not going there. I'm going into the things I'm, I'm happy about, right? I can celebrate that my, I get to, last night I got to lay next to Nava and hold her, and she, she wrote me a little letter and said, Daddy, I love you. I'm sorry that I spoke bad wads to you, which I'm not going to focus on the English, right? I'm going to focus on the thing. I can celebrate that we've done a lot of family things this week. I can celebrate that we have a church gathering of people. I can celebrate that I'm standing here even though I had a herniated disc seven months ago, and I can, like, move, and I'm not crying inside, right? I can celebrate that I have family a part of our church. I can celebrate that God is going to do things that I don't fathom yet. I know that's going to happen. I can celebrate that. What can you celebrate? What can you already celebrate where he's already shown you he's good? And we can do quick one-word things, two-word things. You can say it. This is not an opportunity for you to preach, okay? Preacher who God has called, just celebrate that God's called you to preach. That can be what you said. Anybody right now, you can, you can all just share. I'm going to wait till people share too. So. New job. What else? What else can we celebrate? Your puppy came home, and in uh, layman's terms, Jasmine is home. What else can we celebrate? Healthy children. Don't know who said that, but amen. What else can we celebrate? Yeah. Okay. Really quickly, because I love you. Why can we celebrate that? You want to tell a little bit of that? You should hear the story of that. You should ask him, because if you don't have faith, that will build your faith if you know the story behind that. So, amen. <laughs> Who else? What are we celebrating? Amen. Are you celebrating your husband? Okay. Amen. All right. What else? What else? Amen. What else? What else? Abundance. Somebody else. <laughs> you can celebrate almost funny humor. Granddaughters. Granddaughters. Yes. Okay. Awesome. What else? Little brother. What else? What else? What else? This Amen. Yeah. Celebrate. What else? We got a house. Amen. That's the that's the real one. Yeah. What else? United won the uh, World Cup or MLS Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Soccer nerds are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Calm down. All right, so, so when, when you start to struggle about what he hasn't done yet, which is going to happen your whole life, share stories around your tables about what he's done. Continue the story. 
I was addicted to drugs. I am not addicted to drugs. Amen. Amen. That's real. Like, share the stories with your family when they ask the tough questions. Now, last part. What has he not done yet that you can celebrate now before it happens? And you might not feel this. What has he not done yet that you can celebrate now before it happens? And I'm also giving space for this and waiting for people. Close relationship with your community. Amen. <laughs> Less clappy, right? Less clappy. All right. Let's be more clappy. Amen. Yep. Physical healing? Amen. Someone else? Amen. What else? Come on. Oh, I thought you said failed marriages. I was like, it's true. Healed marriages. What else? Retreat center in the mountains. Yes, amen. Who needs physical healing? Just raise your hand. For God to heal all of these people, Jesus, please. Amen. <laughs> Don't know where that came from or what you said, but I like it. Okay. Amen. Anybody? So good. All right. I had a quote I was going to read from a book that's not with me at this time. So can you all stand with me really quickly? Okay. In my arms, there's two big jugs of water. Okay. They're not really in my hands. So one of these jugs is for you. One of these jugs is for you. And it has to be from him, and it has to be for you, and it's going to meet you where you're broken. And he will restore you if you desire it. That is his word. He is a God that restores, whether you feel it yet or not. One of these jugs, this one in my right arm, is for you. If you need to imagine an imaginative prayer that he is pouring it over the broken places in your life, let him do it in this prayer time. The other jug is for the people around you. You see where people are broken sometimes more clearly than they do. They're not your enemy, and they don't need to be told how bad they are. Can you take water to the dry places in your life? Are you a well? Are you an extension to a well when there is brokenness and dryness? For those of you who feel like you can do it on your own, Without bringing it back to Jesus, you are going to dry up. You might already be a well. If you do not plant yourself in this well, you will fizzle out, you will fade away, you will burn out. There is no life outside of him. And the vine is life. He is the vine. He's connected to his father, and you're connected to him. And so, Father, we today thank you that we can, we can have joy because we know you're going to do stuff. And it's not that we've labeled how you're going to do it. It's not that we get 
the perfect car, and that's going to bring us joy, or the perfect spouse. It's that we trust that the best answer is coming, and it will be restorative, and it will be from you, and we will be happy and joyful in our hearts because of it. We also say thank you and praise you for the seasons of exiles we've had to go through because it trained our hearts to yearn again for you. We don't despise the seasons of correction. We thank you because it created in us a desire for you. We also thank you that you haven't answered some of the prayers we've asked with what we asked for. And you've given us so much better. And as they lead, I'm just going to pray over you a special prayer to those who feel the distance between what you want to see God do and what's happening. Let him minister to you in this time. Let him sing over you. Let God become your song before you see the fruit of what the water will do. Jesus, we thank you that you are our living well and that you've sent us on an adventure and a journey to continually find it, to drink deeply from it daily with access, not limited, but full. Help us to be a Christian community that lives as people who drink deeply and people start asking questions about how much we love and how do we forgive like that. We thank you, Jesus. So Father, we just thank you for today in this body being to gather together and celebrate you, Jesus. Help it to be centered around you always. Help us to draw from you always. As we go into our weeks and Christmas, help us to not fall for the cultural lines of purchasing, purchasing, purchasing. Help us to find the meaning and the true things, God, in the season of Advent. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.